Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. It is good to be here with you on this Easter Sunday as we gather on this most holy day. It has been a privilege to serve in this office now for almost 12 years. I will be done on September 1st. Uh, I will not be looking for work until January 1st. Um, there is a hunting season somewhere through there, I don't know. And there are bike paths to be ridden and grandkids to be spoiled. Uh, so it has, been a, it has been a privilege uh, to serve in this office. Uh, I bring greetings this morning on behalf of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, all 3.5 million of us as we gather this morning to celebrate the risen Lord. I bring greetings as well from your 204 uh, brothers and sisters in congregations across South Dakota. We cover all four corners of the center of the state uh, in every part where people live. We have congregations. We give thanks and praise for the proclamation of the gospel in all parts of this community. And so I want to say thank you to First Lutheran. Uh, Twelve years ago, this is where I was installed and uh, began this service in this office. Uh, it is great to be back here with you 12 years later. I've been here a couple of times since then. It's way cooler, just so you know, than the last time I was here. Uh, your AC decided to give up the ghost at Jeff Backer's uh, ordination. I think it was about 88 in here. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was so much fun. Well, let's get to the sermon. One of the privileges of uh, getting a, a world-class education is you actually do get to learn some things. And it's also been my privilege to travel on behalf of the church. I've had several trips to Israel. I've had opportunity to sit with scholars, with rabbis and priests uh, in Israel. And I've picked up a few things that when I, when I read scripture now, I read it with, I think, better eyeglasses than when I started uh, 38 years ago. So one of the things that I've noticed and pay attention to is that we have a God who likes humor. Uh, we have a God that has a great sense of humor, in fact. I mean, if you just simply look at whom God invites into roles of leadership, starting with me, I mean, you can find amusement everywhere you go. From Old Testament into the New, I was looking at the list of disciples that Jesus picked. I don't know that I would want any of them to be pastors in South Dakota. Certainly not Simon Peter. Good Lord, the man can't get anything right. I mean, he sort of gets things a little bit and then jumps off the cliff and discovers there's no water underneath him. Wow. I mean, his council president would be calling me all the time. And we know that he has a sense of humor because he regularly does things that make no sense whatsoever. I mean, think about it. The Son of God is being born in a stable in Bethlehem. Let's just think about that for a second. We couldn't find room at the inn? No, couldn't. But who does the announcement come to? Does it come to the king? Does it come to the newspaper? No. It comes to the only group that can't testify in court. There were actually laws that forbid shepherds testifying in court because why? Everybody knew they lied. So here come the heavenly angels, the heavenly hosts singing. We got big, big deal. And it's to shepherds. 
I don't know about you, but I find that amusing. Women were in the same category. There was a Roman law that women's testimony could not be utilized in court. Who's the first apostle? A woman. What I love about this story is how dramatically deep and indelible it is. There's all this detail in the Gospel of John. We hear Mary traveling through the darkness by herself. She's certainly not coming to anoint Jesus because that's already happened in the Gospel of John. He was anointed, if you remember, at the Last Supper when the woman came who is not named and pours the very fragrant, very expensive oil on his feet. So she's coming, I think, just to mourn. And then there's all these just incredibly interesting things about people seeing things and getting it wrong because they're still stuck with the old notion that death wins. So when she gets close enough to the tomb, she sees that the stone has been rolled away. She doesn't look in, she just knows. She knows what's happened. They lived again in a day and age when bodies got regularly stolen from tombs. There were laws both in the Jewish community and the Roman community that it was against the law to steal bodies, but it happened all the time. There's not a second of, of doubt in her mind about what has happened. Someone has stolen the body. Because she knew death had happened. She'd been there for the whole thing. It was only the women that stayed through the entire process. From the arrest, to torture, to the trial, to the traveling through the city, to the crucifixion, and finally to death. It is the women who have been there as witnesses. She knew everything there was to know about death. She had seen it happen. She had participated in the removal of the body and the transportation and the arrival at the cemetery and the burial. She's there to mourn. So there's no doubt in her mind that she's got to go tell the disciples that the search must begin. So she gets Simon, Peter, and John, and they race off into the darkness as well. And I love the vivid detail, right? We have, we have split times. John's a little bit faster than Peter, gets there first, but doesn't have much, as much courage. So he just peers in. He doesn't actually go in. And then you can just see Peter kind of chugging up the hill, right? I mean, that's how I always envision it. And he never even pauses, just right into the tomb. Now, when you rob graves, you didn't fold the clothes, right? Normally, you would have stolen them because they would be valuable in and of themselves. But here they are, neatly folded. Wow. But what? All they know is that death happened and that they have a problem. They don't have a body. Easter has not happened in any stretch of the imagination for either one of them. Because what did they do? They just go home. And there's Mary, who has followed, is now just overcome. And she finally goes in, and now we have angels with a message and a question. Really? Why are you weeping? Why wouldn't I be weeping? That's the silliest question ever. 
Why aren't you weeping? Would be the proper answer. And here is the answer. He's not here. He is risen. Easter has not yet happened. So she turns around and here is Jesus whom she sees and yet cannot and cannot. Where have you taken him? Where have you taken him? Because she still gets how the world works. Death wins. That's the world that she lives in. It's down in her bones. There's no hint, even though Jesus had told them for sure at least three times this was going to happen. Nope, death wins. That's the way it works. So where have you taken him? And Easter finally happens when he speaks her name. I love how Easter breaks in. The sun rises quite literally as he speaks her name, Mary. And then begins the process now for this great transition. Jesus actually has a speech. Can you imagine? I can't stay here. You can't hang on to me. But what I'm telling you is going to happen is that you're now going to have the very same relationship that I have had with my heavenly father. You're going to have the same thing. I am going to leave so that the Holy Spirit might come and that you might be permanently connected with our God in heaven. They don't get that part either. But now she races differently, right? I mean, this woman has a mission because she has been instructed to go preach the first sermon, the very first sermon. So she races back to where the disciples are and she preaches and guess what? Nobody believed. Worst sermon ever, right? Actually worse than this one. There's got to be one, you know, little shout out out there somewhere. Nope, got nothing. Because for them, what? They knew how the world worked. There's no way they're going to take the testimony of a woman that Christ was risen. And he will find them on Easter evening, still locked away in that room. And here we are. See, to hear that that death doesn't have the last word is life-changing. It changes who we are at people. If there was one thing that I've come to appreciate about the disciples, it's how much they needed Easter. At the very best, they might have stayed hidden in that upper room. That's the best we could have hoped for that group. And I suspect what would have really would have happened is they would have just slipped away and all gone back to their lives. No one would have had the courage to just make something up. But they were a people that discovered that life has the last word, that life in Jesus Christ wins the victory. And they were willing to change the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ. They go and preach a sermon at the very place that Jesus had been arrested out of, at the temple. It went bad, I'll say that. Well, it went good and then it went bad. First they had 3,000 converts, then they got arrested, and then they got beat up. That's a bad sermon, folks. They escaped, went back and preached again. We're sitting here because those men and women 
found out that death doesn't win. And that speaking that name of being invited into life makes all the difference in the world. I love how we do baptisms. I've done over 500 of them in my life as a pastor. We speak the name of the person being baptized because we're pouring life into them, life that will sustain them, not only through this life, but into the next. We're pouring a promise that comes from Jesus Christ into them, that Christ will never let you go, and that even in death, there your name will be spoken into your ear as we move from this world to the next. Jesus names us and claims us and calls us his own. I'm gifted with now 11 grandkids. And one of them's favorite word is uh, my name for me. It's not Bishop, by the way. It's, it's Papa. She rises every morning, and the first words out of her mouth are Papa. And it's always a question. And her mom or her dad has to say to her, sorry, Papa's not here. But when she comes to our house, until she finds me, you can hear that little person walk through the whole house of ours. Papa? 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 I got to tell you, I like it. <laughs> and then I'll speak her name. And the look on her face, the look on her face is so delightful because she's been discovered by the one she's been seeking. I got to baptize that little girl. I got to pour that gift into her. Jesus got to whisper in her ear. That's the gift that comes to all of us. So on this day, on this Easter day, please know that the gift is for you and that you have the same responsibility that Mary had, which is to go and share it, to share the good news that death doesn't win, that life in Jesus Christ is all that matters. So go and live your life as disciples. Go and share the good news of Jesus. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Amen.